All right, everyone. Okay, nice to be back. Um, it's Parshas Lech Lecha this week. This is the really, really, really exciting Torah portion. And here we are. We're ready to start. Last week we didn't do a Noah share for whatever reason. But we're going to do a Lech Lecha share. Hopefully it'll be worthwhile. Hashem's help, it should provide uh, what was lacking by the absence of last week's share. So, um, Lech Lecha is the most exciting Torah portion because in Lech Lecha is where this is our beginning. This is the start. This is where the real purpose and reason for the entire creation and existence begins to be realized. Uh, this is the onset of the mission, the mission of really of all of humanity, which later was more um, um, particularized um, by the Jewish people and actualized by the Jewish people and then uh, hopefully will be leading all of humanity into its ultimate achievement. So this um, story begins the story of the first Jew, Abraham, Avram Avinu, what we call our father Avraham. Now Avram is commanded, the story begins with a journey. As mentioned by many, many um, and many you must have heard this in many classes and many in many books it's spoken of this it's very strange that the story of Avram Avinu begins only when Avram is 75 it's as if like the main story of his life up to 75 his childhood his younger years everything about him the Torah omits there's hardly anything besides in last week's Torah portion a very very brief um, description of his family he's born he has two brothers and that he gets married, and that he le he leaves his hometown to go to the land of Canaan. That's the that's all we have, and that's the description for his seventy five years. And there isn't even a hint to why in the world is this the person that God chooses to um, realize and actualize His plan for all of mankind through this human being. Oh, the Torah begins this week in the Torah portion with Hashem telling Avram. Leave your homeland, leave your land, leave your birthplace, leave your father's house, and travel to the land that I will show you. So the story really does begin with the journey. But again, it's astonishing that he's 75 years old, and that's where his story begins without any prior um, uh, information, at least in the explicitly, not in the Midrash we do have, but in the explicit uh, revealed uh, uh, Torah Shabbat, the, the written Torah, there is nothing there. Now, um, what happens? Avram is sent on this journey, goes to the land of Canaan, and the purpose and the meaning and the uh, the um, objective over here is to begin the process of disseminating divine awareness, godly awareness, and to begin revealing Hashem in, in the world, which is the purpose of creation. And the purpose and this objective of revealing God in the world, which later translates into the great, great, great revelation at Sinai, after the prep preparatory stages of our forefathers, in which the Jewish people uh, became a people, through first through these heroic uh, patriarchs and matriarchs, we become a people, and we're enslaved in Egypt, we come out of Egypt, God gives us the Torah, uh, given the mandate to enlighten all of humanity and to purify the world. And what's the objective? What's the end, what's the end result? The end result is a world 
that will be saturated with, with godly light. And that's the messianic era in which Hashem will be tangible. God will be as tangible as all of the physical world. We will see him with and be able to almost touch the divine. We will be able to perceive God with our physical senses. That's how tangible God will be across the entire world. And all of humanity and all of the world will know God with an intimate knowledge. Now, um, what's exciting is that we are at the cusp of that revelation. And we shouldn't get fooled and distracted by all the dark news that sometimes are, is in our face. Um, that's just God's surprise element. Um, we are not far at all. We are so, so close. Uh, this thin, 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 thin veil of, which to us on our end seems to be extreme darkness, is very, very, very soon going to dissipate. And the true nature of creation and of the world is going to shine forth. Because we have already, after thousands of years, as we discussed in previous classes, the significance of 3,333 years since the Torah was given, we have already already completed the task of purifying and rectifying and preparing all of the world to receive the greatest revelation, and that is of God himself, that who is residing in this world already, it just needs, and, and when we say in this world, it means in each and every one of our hearts and in each of any every one of our souls, it's just ready to be revealed. And so that whole process, however, started with Abraham, with Avram Avinu. And it begins this week in the Torah portion in this journey when Avram is 75 years old. And God tells him. So what's, what's, what's interesting about the journey, now some of these ideas we've discussed in previous classes, in previous lists. Number one, it's great to review them. Number two, every time I learn it again and again, it comes with deeper insight and deeper understanding. And I hope to you as well. And number three, there is going to be definitely new ideas over here that we have not touched upon and, and that are really that really excited me when I when I when I when I read this, even though the general gist of it is something that we've discussed in the past on more than one occasion. So over here, technically, we begin with the questions regarding this journey, which is like the first story of the first Jewish person, God's communication, giving him a mitzvah, giving him a commandment, giving him his first instruction. So you would think it would be, first of all, of something enormously important. And it seems like the instruction is not about his mission, doesn't seem like about anything of grandeur that he's supposed to do. Uh, he's just telling him to move away from where he is, to relocate. Now, you know, Avram Avinu did many things in his life. One of them was this relocation. But why is this the first commandment? This is what Judaism begins with this relocation, with this journey. So you have to say that this very notion of him moving away from his land and going to the land of Israel, that itself is indicates and encapsulates everything what it means to be a Jew. So that needs to be understood why and what and what can that be. The other mysterious thing about the, about the journey is that the journey is set out to be a mysterious journey. It's set out to be in a way where the destination is unknown. God says to Abraham, I want you to go to the land that I will show you. And we all understand when you're packing up your belongings and you're leaving, especially since you're not told that you're going to be coming back. So it's not a weekly, uh, it's not a camping trip that he was going out. It wasn't even, you know, uh, uh, a summer vacation. You know, Avram was leaving. And he was taking along his entire household. So it would be pretty important kind of to adjust, to ready himself, to buy the provisions. And he first of all, he doesn't know how long the journey will be. He definitely doesn't know how he will acclimate himself in the place that he's going. 
if he's going to the North Pole, it's going to be very different than if he's going to, you know, lands next to the equator. Where is he going? And is he going into a wilderness or is he going to go to a civilized, to a place where people are? God says to a country, to a land, doesn't say to him if there is a 7-Eleven on the corner, if there is a, uh, you know, a Smart and Final or, or Trader Joe's or anything, or you can buy something or do something. There is nothing God unpurposely keeps it mysterious. Now, you might think the Torah likes to be very brief. So sometimes important details, eh, they're not discussed. But that's not the way it is. The Torah describes to us when it refers to the departure place, where he's leaving from, there is not there is a lot of information. Not only a lot of information, what might look like superfluous and unnecessary information, which is really striking. When we're talking about where you're going, it says nothing. Just the fact that I will show you, God says, a land that I will show you. But when he tells him where he ought to leave from, he gives him such specific information or detail. Leave your land, your birthplace, and your father's house. That's three, three descriptions, if you can say, three notions, three um, aspects of where he is now telling him to leave. Now, it's, 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 it's um, if you say leave your land, so if you tell someone leave your home, so it might be you're moving around the corner or you're moving across the street. So you don't know. But if you tell someone or if you tell someone leave your neighborhood, okay, so you know you're leaving your neighborhood, but you might move to the other side of town. But if you're telling someone leave your land, which means leave your country, so that means I'm leaving the United States. I'm leaving the States. I don't know. Could be I'm going to Israel. Could be I'm going to, to uh, Canada. Okay. Or could be, I don't know. I'm going to Europe. Where am I moving to? But I know it's away from, I definitely included in leaving your land is your birthplace, is the city you were born. And it also includes your street address where your father lived. The base of Icha from your home. Your father's home, your parents' home, which it seems like Avram has been living at, at their residence. If he didn't live in their house itself, he lived in one of the tents on the on the family estate. But he's leaving there already. It says, Mayartzach from your land. If it would say it the other way around, it would make a little more sense, right? If it would say, leave your father's house, okay? That means basically leave your home. Leave, maybe leave your family estate. Leave your birthplace. Oh, that means leave the entire city. Now that I know that I'm leaving my city, then I add to it, not only that, leave your land. So at least there it would make sense because each bit of information is adding to Avram Avinu, um, to Abraham, to, to, uh, you know, to how much he will be leaving, how far he's going. Although even then it would have been enough just to give the final, say, leave your land. What if you have to break it to him in small pieces? But at least that there it would make sense. But if you're telling him already to leave his land, his country, then it includes all the other places where he's leaving. Obviously, he's leaving his city. And obviously, he's leaving his home address. So for sure. So it seems to be strange. But this is the basic question over here. Why don't we have any information on the destiny? And why don't we have, and why do we have so much information about where he's leaving where it doesn't seem to be important?
but it but, but it definitely highlights the striking dis- difference between that you see that the Torah wants us to get a certain message over here because it is so specific on the uh, on the on the um, the origin the, the 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 place of departure and it's so unrevealing regarding where he has to go. The other thing is that you know something so important. We would think that it should be introduced. God comes to visit Avram. God, Abraham is, a, is obviously a prophet. Whether this is his first vision, whether it's not his first vision, that could be uh, that could be um, investigated. Or, but this is where the Torah is beginning a story of a person who's going to live his life in continuous divine communication. So it seemed to be appropriate, like it states elsewhere, that first he had a revelation. That would be the most important. If you're telling a story of a prophet, you say, like by Moses, he's walking in the desert and suddenly there is a revelation. God reveals himself to him. And you can imagine talking about other prophets throughout history. It begins with a, with a revelation. Here, the Torah doesn't mention anything about a revelation. It mentions just the, the commandment. God says, go. Go. That's it. God speaks to him and says, go, without any prior interaction with God. Again, until now, there's no prior interaction and suddenly go. Now, next week's Torah portion, after Avram's uh, circumcision, the Torah does open up with the statement that God appeared to Avram. Hashem came to visit him. Hashem appeared to him. Now, in this Torah portion itself, um, right after Avram follows God's instructions, and he travels unknowingly following his, his instinct. Doesn't say that God was leading him with a cloud like when the Jews went out of Egypt. He, he just hit the road and allowed his feet to go, his, his convoy to go wherever they were going. Imagine walking and not knowing at the crossroad, where do I go? 405 south, 405 north. <laughs> where are we going? Don't know. You just go. So Abram allowed his, himself to just march and just to walk. And him and his whole family, the whole caravan were going and going and wherever intersections, they just followed, I guess, their inner intuition. And he ended up in the land of Israel, in the land of what was then called the land of Canaan. When he gets to the land of Canaan and he's inside the land of Canaan, then it says, God appears to him. But it's interesting that it does not say the appearance of God to him earlier at the beginning of Parshas Lech Lech. So that needs some explanation the orachayim one of the great commentators on the chumash is one of those who asks this question then we continue on with avram's story we know that there was a famine in the land and you see right away you know people who think that when you're doing immediately god's will it's going to become nice and easy after all god is backing you right god is bankrolling this trip so you would think and people a lot of times have that me included that when you feel you feel justified that if you did something where God asks of you, especially if it takes courage and it takes energy and a little self and a little a little sacrifice, immediately you want to see the rewards, or at least you want to know that everything will be smooth sailing. But that's obviously not the story that we get in Parshas Lech Lecha. Aram Avinu was met with enormous challenges from the go ahead, and that is that they, right away there's a famine in the land, he can't live there, it's unlivable, he has to go down to Egypt, they snatch his wife away, and she's in danger, they finally, they give, they, Pharaoh has to, Pharaoh has to return his wife, okay, 
And we see Avram is not complaining. He's complete trust in God. So that's really, you know, a lot to be inspired by and learn from. He returns to the land, and then there's another story. It starts telling us about the story of Avram's nephew, Lot. So this Lot character, he's like, we once had a class called Tagalong. He's the Tagalong. He's coming along for the whole journey. He's Avram's brother's son. He's a, he's a brother of Avram's wife, Sarah. So he's both Avram's nephew and Avram's brother-in-law. Now we discussed the this uh, in a very in two very interesting classes called Tagalong so um um Tagalong a soul or something like that I remember the second thing um about the significance of Lot because the Torah makes such a big deal about him even though you know he's not he's 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 a kind of a secondary entity over here like why do we focus on him but yet the Torah does but what the interesting thing is that Lot is kind of um, it turns out he comes along for the journey. He, he, Lot comes along for the journey. He's, he's here for the ride, but he's not too of a, he's not too of a willful participant. You know, you, you're talking about the most inspired human being. You're talking about the most driven human, human being. Avram is inspired. He's driven. He's ambitious. He's spiritually enlightened. And he's, you know, and his family, he, he has a support team. They're coming along with him. His family is with him. His, the Torah says all of his people that he had converted back in the old town to his monotheistic belief, they also came along with him. And then we have this Lot character who is putting up or he's resisting. He's not really going along. And he right away starts to challenge Avram because he made some money and there's competition with the, with the, uh, with the fight in the financials, there is some kind of a dispute and Lot, Lot's heart is not the selfless, holy heart like Abraham who is devoted just to serving God. Lot is drawn after the materialistic blessings or well, wealth, the, the, the wealth that the the financial opportunities and that's why what does Lot do after he became wealthy because he connected to Abraham he doesn't get along with him but more than that he attaches himself to the most corrupt and wicked people that live in the land of Canaan you know the land of Canaan had a lot of hard-working laborers they were they were they were pagans they were idolaters but they were hard-working it's one of the reasons why Abraham when he passed through the land of Canaan got, got was happy and he said, this is the land I wish I, my family can live in because, because Abraham appreciate, Avram appreciated hard work. And he said, whatever it is, I want my children to know that, you know, you got to work hard in life. And Avram didn't like just lazying around and just not doing anything. So, but, so, you know, the, the people, as we know, the people in Canaan, later the Torah tells us were pretty corrupt, but they were hardworking. The people of Sodom were the, were as brutal and as corrupt as can be. And they were in every aspect of life, they were completely, um, you know, very, 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 very lowly and very corrupt. And Lot took a liking to these people, to their way of life. And he gravitated towards them. So it's a little bothersome because like, you know, there's a story over here of a person who's inspired, who's driven, who's making his great journey, he's leading, he's laying the seeds for the Jewish people. And the story of Lot seems to be unimportant, insignificant, and just definitely uninspiring. 
you don't have to have to deal with a nephew who's just making trouble. And that, but the fact that Torah spends quite a lot in the very first story of the Jewish people to talk about this uninspired co co uh, this uninspired participant. Imagine the family that's leaving on the most ambitious journey ever, the journey that's going to transform the world. They're given the they're given the mandate to light up the entire world. And there's a whole caravan of inspired people. And there's one troublemaker who's who's just not interested. And you see how Avram has to deal with him. Why is that here in that story? And why is why is why, why do we read this for three thousand years every year when we're trying to be inspired, and we have to reckon and we have to come to know this lot figure, and we see that Avram on the one hand distances himself from him. He tells him, "If you go to the right, I will go to the left. If I go to if you if 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 you go to the left, I will go to the right." He places distance between him and him, and in but. You also see that Avram does never really disassociates himself completely. And as Rashi explains, when he says, You will go to the right, I will be to the left, and I will go, meant on the one hand, you know, leave. You know, you go do your thing, I'll do my thing. But at the same time, by saying, When you will be to the left, I will be to the right, or when you will be to the right, I will be to the left, means I'm not abandoning you. Leave, because Lot was kind of, you know, this was tribal territory, and foreigners were. In a very great danger. So Lot was, you know, looking over his shoulder. He wasn't sure about it. So Avram was basically giving him a security. I'll watch your back. That's what he told him. So you see, there is he maintains a connection with Lot. He doesn't write him off. He doesn't disassociate him. He doesn't disown him. And as we see later, when Lot was in trouble, when the kings come and take Lot as captive, Avram. This needs a little understanding. What's the message of it? What is this trying to tell us? And how is this part of this powerful, most potent story of Lech Lecha? It's like, as I mentioned, it's the juiciest Torah portion. If you find like the from the top three in the entire Torah, Lech Lecha has got to be from the top. It's actually the third Torah portion. It's got to be from the top three best Torah stories that there are is Avram's journey, most inspiring story. So you would, you would hope that you know, creating this part of the Torah or putting it together as God is giving it, this narration would be kept like really potent, focused on everything good. So Lot doesn't seem to fit that narration. And of course, the end of the Torah portion is always important. When we read a story, when we read every Torah portion, we got to realize the energy is always at the beginning and especially at the end. The end is about the circumcision. Now Avram Avinu gets the circum does a circumcision, which really epitomizes what the parsha is all about because the 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 idea of the parsha is a man a human being attaching himself to god and in the end of the parsha we find a full and complete attachment because god makes a covenant a covenant means an eternal bond there's an eternal bond avram achieves the eternal bond between him and god obviously you see that already in the beginning of the torah portion but there it's conditional God says to Abraham, if you will go to the land, go to the land. And when you will go, I will bless you. I will make you into a big people. I will, I'm, 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 I'm assuring, I'm assuring your success. And I will, I will, I will give you the ultimate, ultimate reward. 
fine. But it's much stronger when it's all, um, you know, um, made concrete in the covenant that God makes, makes with Abraham. And it's such an important covenant that it gets etched in the flesh of Avram Avinu. And that's really the story. In a nutshell, it's the story of the endeavor and the mission of mankind. Mankind is put in the world, as we're going to see. He's given a task. It requires a certain sacrifice, a big sacrifice, in order to be successful. But the ultimate achievement is attachment and connection to Hashem, which is in the brisket. So that's in a nutshell what we're going to be learning over here. But now let's analyze it and try to see the answers to the questions that we spoke about earlier about the these details in in this story so um beginning with the the purpose the 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 ideal and the purpose that hashem created the world and hashem is hashem wanted our world to be created in darkness that was the initial state and the desire of god he wanted to create a world in which God is concealed, hidden. And he wanted the world from within itself to find him and attach themselves to him and to reveal him in, in his creation. God is everything and God is in everything and he is the true content of all of existence. But that is not obvious. That is not something that is seen. That is not something that is perceived. On the contrary, the world seems to be filled with darkness, filled with evil, filled with pain, filled with suffering, filled with all kinds of dark stuff. And that's the work. The work is in a world that is concealing, in a world that's blocking, we should discover God, connect to God, and reveal God within the world. That mission was initially given to Adam. Adam messed up a little bit with the tree of knowledge plunge the world into further darkness. That too was part of the greater plan because the world, as when God creates a world, he creates it with the potential of being very dark, but he doesn't create it in, in extreme darkness because God will not create the world in its, in its most corrupted state. So it's a process. It's a, God allows for the corruption to happen. We ourselves mess the world up with divine permission not with divine commandment, but with divine allowance to the point where it becomes so horrifically dark, but then we begin the process because ultimately the desire of God is a very, very low disconnected existence should become, should be transformed in the way we spoke about it so many times from the greatest darkness comes the greatest light. So the work, world first has to get very, very dark and then we can begin the process of or God says, let there be light. Similar to the story of creation. What does the verse say? And right in the beginning, two weeks ago in Bereshis, the world was desolate, empty, chaotic. And pure darkness on the, on the face of the deep waters. The world was shrouded in darkness. And God said, let there be light. That's the mission. It's not just the first statement that God is saying, but God is instructing. The purpose of it all, of it all is light. So where does the light begin in human history? It begins with Abraham. Avram Avinu, the verse says, Mi heir Who started shining from the east? So Avram is the beginning of that shining light. 
Now, what is the really objective over here? What is the, the point over here? The point over here is like this. Notwithstanding the fact that God placed the human being in the midst of this great concealment and this great darkness. Because the world is a world, before anything corrupt happens in the world, the very world itself is a world of concealment. The world olam, olam means world, in Hebrew also comes from the word hell and concealment. Because the very existence of the time and space and all the other natural phenomenons and systems of the way things operate in certain predictable manners and so on and so forth, where one can think and see the world as ancient, as always have existed, or, or people can claim evolution that the world just came out of nowhere and there's no creator. In other words, the creator, although when someone is seeking, will see the creative design in the creation in the most magnificent way where you can see God's signature on everything, where Hashem signs his art, and everywhere you can, if you look deeper, you come to the conclusion that they cannot be like Avram himself did. This world cannot be creatorless, but it requires a deeper look. When one is just looking and one is seeking to deny that there is a creator and a creation, it's very easy to deny it. And there is so much around us that obscures and blocks. So that's number one. The world is obscuring. Now, in addition to that is God could have created us or left us as purely spiritual beings to navigate this physical darkness. But we within ourselves would have deep, powerful convictions of truth, and that would fill our consciousness all the time. Our job would be to break through the darkness and to reveal it around us in the world around us. But that wasn't enough of a challenge. That was not enough of a, so what did God add? He put our soul into a physical body. Now, the physical body places many, many limitations. Not only that, the physical body is deeply, deeply uninterested in cooperating with the divine mission. In seeking God, knowing God, the physical body is very pleased just to live and have a good time. So now a soul is contained within a physical body where the physical body is a non-cooperative entity and it takes a lot to inspire. Okay. In addition to that, we have certain limitations, boundaries, and ungodly that is that is that is fed into another not only our natural state of our physicality that obscures and blocks and uninspires us, but to add to that, there is environment, there is society. Take obviously Abraham, who was surrounded by an entire world that was that was trying to pump the idea of paganism, trying to negate the concept that there is one creator and one God that creates it all, that we're all beholden to, right? So you have, an, and that was in the days of Abraham, but to each and every one of us, we're surrounded by societies that are not seeking to live a godly life. Like we see in the world today, what are we looking at? We're seeing, you know, the media, the world around us, in which, you know, the godly purpose of life and the divine commandments and the holiness and the sanctity of life in which God instructs in where it's not just about what I feel or what I would like to do with my body or how, who I, you know, which way I treat my own life because it's my life. You know, these messages, which are 
fear, through all the various different things around us and people that are. So this you it has a major impression, especially on young children. As we know today, how dangerous it is when our children are in an education system that is lacking the sanctity and holiness. So it's really scary to have your kids in public school these days, in education systems, send them to a private school that has a higher teaching, a Jewish school for sure, in which is teaching a Torah-based school. It's one thing, or else it's very dangerous. But yet God placed us in a world where society has a huge impact on us. And in addition to that, of course, there is the, the influences that come from, from, from our own upbringing, from our own homes, our parents, and so on and so forth, which for good or for worse, if you're lucky and you were born to a good in a good home in which good values and morals and higher godly teachings are taught, that's wonderful. But if, God forbid, a person is not so fortunate and the home is a godless environment and the education both coming from father and mother or whatever is at the house is the opposite, that makes it even more challenging and even more difficult. So all these things. Now, that's basically the situation is that the cards are stacked against us. Each and every one of us. And yet, the purpose of life and the idea that we're going to see in Parshas Lech Lecha is that Hashem has given each and every one of us the ability, literally the ability, to lift ourselves outside of this entire darkness. To reach and to connect and touch and to experience and, and attach ourselves to the infinite creator that's beyond the veil of nature. To truly internalize the truth of God, to connect to Hashem in a very deep way, to take that truth and that godliness and not only for ourselves to attach ourselves to it and to live by it, but to bring that down into time and space and into our world around us, to influence the very same place that until now was obscuring and blocking the divine, now it should turn around and it should reveal godliness and holiness. That's the objective. And we have the ability to free ourselves from all the dictates that everything around us is dictating including, as we spoke earlier, our physical nature coming from our physical body, which as we spoke earlier, places so much, is such a, an impediment to our spiritual mission. Here the body is tired and lazy and, and, and has adult indulgences and cravings and addictions and, and all kinds of other um, interferences with the spiritual godly existence and yet God believes in each and every one of us and Hashem gives us the power to rise beyond all of that and live the godly life so what do you find that exactly is the content of the first commandment in which God commands the first Jew so the Jewish people as the leaders of mankind to the ultimate state. Again, it's a project that's going to take thousands of years. But the first step of it is God instructing Avram Avinu to take this massive leap. To elevate himself outside and beyond all these constricting factors. And that is what's hinted to when it says over here, Hashem says to Avram, leave 
leave from your land, from your birthplace, and we ask the question, why all the detail? And not only why all the detail, but why the, and, and, and it seems to be in the reverse order from your father's house first, and then from your birthplace, and then from your land, because that's the way you would be leaving. But here it's in the reverse order. But when we look at it on a deeper level, we realize that Artsakha is talking about our very physical condition. God is saying, your, your arts Eretz means your earthiness. God says, I know I created you as part of a natural world, which is earth. I didn't plant you in heaven where it's filled with my light. I planted you on earth that obscures and blocks me. A world when you look and you see things, you don't see me, you think chunky things. And part of that thinginess, that thickness, is your very nature. You wake up in the morning and you have a very physical awareness of your physical body. And that physical body is constrictive. So God says, rise beyond your body. In a sense, leap out of your body. Get, get past it. The body can't dictate. It's not that we abandon the body and we're going to leave the body alone. We're going to use the body as an instrument for holiness. But don't let your body and your physicality hold you back. Lech lecha, get past it. You're not going to. You're not going to follow the dictates, the urges, the command of the body. Ma'artzacha, get out of your physicality, which is your natural state, your earthiness. Then, in addition to our natural earthiness of our body, there are other influences that we spoke earlier, but they come after the after we're born with a physical body, which already places a massive a massive constriction. Come the constriction, as we spoke earlier, are added added entities that society put on us, and obviously we understand. You know, 600 years ago, people had the same physical bodies like us. The same physical body comes from the same, you know, the same physical structure. So that didn't change. But the experience is very different. As time changes, the world is different. And the input, the, 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 that which we're absorbing from the environment around us, from the, from the, from, from the, from the, the social norms and the the, 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 the way society is, which comes from our, and it's emphasized, that's called birthplace. It also is obviously different when people come from different countries and different places. You know, a New Yorker is very different than a, than a Southerner. And, a, and, and, and people over there are different than Europeans. And definitely, you know, an Israeli has a whole different type of nature. And and then, 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 then you know, each country, each, each has its own. And that's Moladetcha. But that's already, as we understand, that's another, another set of constrictions, another set of limitations in which, you know, societal, society norms, which isn't necessarily a impetus and a big, big push to connect to a higher mission and to serving God. It will be so when Mashiach comes, your neighbors and your influencers and everybody in your life will be telling you to, how are you doing in your service of God? But that's not what, what, what we get from it. People do not applaud success in your connection to God. People applaud success. How are you doing in business? How are you doing in prestige? How are you doing in uh, whatever, in your relationship? How popular are you? And so on and so forth. 
So this is this is all an impediment because when you don't have the support system of the outside, quite on the contrary, it's pushing you. It's supporting something else. That's that's that that's maladetcha. So God says, get away from that. You can get past that. I know it's a pull. I know it's an influence. But you, because you have a spark of me in you, you can rise beyond that. I am above it, and I'm empowering you to get outside of this constriction. And then there is a higher constriction called your father's house. Your father's house are the influences that are the deepest, which are the influences of family. Family is much deeper than outsiders. There's friends, but there is families, like the closest people around you, which also set certain certain boundaries and certain constrictions on who you are and what you are, shape and form your sense of self and who you are and what you could do and what you can be. And God says, get away. Now, in a sense, all these three levels exist not only in terms of environment outside, because what we're saying now is earth. One, one is the, the, the nature itself coming from earth. The other one is influences from surroundings. And the other one is influences from your own parents, from your own home. But now we can see all these three things exist on a more psychological level within the person himself, meaning forgetting about outside influences. Artsakha means your inborn natural tendencies that you're born from birth. Each and every one of us has certain characteristic traits, certain things that, that make up our nature. And obviously, to fulfill God's will, sometimes our nature is consistent with it, and at times our nature is at odds with it. When Hashem wants certain things to get done, and let's say certain things need to get done by you inspiring community people and getting involved, and if you're a very introverted person, you just say, it's not my thing. You know, let someone else do it. Or if God, if it, if it, if it requires philanthropy, and the nature of your, of your being is to be very very um, careful or very uh, tight-fisted, then you have a hard time. And God's will doesn't fit your nature. And if nature is, if God's will is to study Torah and you just don't have a head for it, you're ADD, that's just your nature. You can prove it. You have a um, IPP from the school that you went to uh, that, that, that's, that decided that you are an ADD uh, individual. You don't have patience to study and to learn. So as we can see, so certain things in Judaism or in our divine mission meet our, are consistent with our nature. Many things are not. So here there is a clash. So the constrictions are Artsakha is your land. Then there's Moladatcha. Moladatcha means what you, what, what Moladatcha is the word birth, which, we, which, which actually can mean certain um, emotions that a person has created. It's not our base, instinctive, natural rock bottom born 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 nature but the nature that we carved out for ourselves based on information that we've have access to in in Hasidus, it is always discussed that the midot the emotions are products they're children of the mind so when the mind has certain appreciations for example when you when we read and we study and we become informed by certain truths they create within within ourselves certain passions. So that's already an added passion. It's not your natural passion. It was an added passion based on what what, what was born inside as a result of is result could be as a result of education. And then higher than that is intelligence. And that's called father's house. Father's house means and which would mean 
also it would mean the ultimate self-development. In other words, there are certain things that we study, we learn, we inculcate, become part of us, and then there is the perfection of self. Father's house means the ultimate perfection. Studying, learning, perfecting ourselves to reaching, to being a higher human being, right? which is phenomenal, which is phenomenal. Humans can make a lot of themselves through education, through study, and as a result of that, achieve certain levels of refinement. That's already beautiful. That's wonderful. But that's not what it means, and that's not the contribution of the Jewish people. The contribution of the Jewish people is that we attach ourselves to the infinite, to the godly, and we channel God into the world. That's the contribution of, 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 of Judaism. For that, it requires that a person should lift himself or herself up beyond themselves. And to lift yourself up beyond yourself means to get past our physical, essential, natural character. It means to get past even our formed emotions that we ourselves have chosen and followed and to get past even our intelligence. Because all these things are still a lot part of the finite human, human experience, the finite human development, the finite human progress. The purpose over here is, God is saying, leave that. I know you have an intelligence. I know. And I know that, you know, especially when we talk about, we discussed this many times. When we talk about Abraham, Abraham's intelligence was no, it wasn't a foolish, it wasn't a mistaken intelligence. We're talking about a person that by the time he reached 75 years old, he had written who knows how many books. He had given so many lectures. He had already uncovered and, 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 and created the entire philosophy of, of monotheism. And, and this man has accomplished so much. His mind was so rich. There was such depth to him, such understanding. A super mind used for the best. His emotions were so perfect and so wonderful. But God said, it's great, but it's you. It's you. I want you to channel me. Now, for you to channel me, you need to make a quantum leap. You need to jump. And in that jump, you can't hold on to yourself, to any bit of what made you you in the past. So get past your physicality. Get past your intelligence. Get past, past your even your spiritual higher self. Because it's still you. I need a human being who will communicate me. And a human being that is com will communicate me has to be empty so that you can, you can be a complete funnel and a channel to me. So Hashem says to Avram, leave, leave, leave every aspect, all these major achievements and these major accomplishments, get past it. And where will you go? Basically, what is he asking of him? He's asking of him to answer one word. And we see Avram says that, and he learned that all his life. He says to God, Hineni, I am here to serve. Where, what, I'm here. I am completely, wholeheartedly 
devoted to you. What do you want? Wherever you will send me, I will do. Whatever you will communicate through me, I will communicate. I'm here. And that is the reason why God does not tell him even where he wants him to go. Because God wanted from Avram. This is where Judaism starts. This is awesome. Judaism starts at the point of complete 100% devotion. The 100% devotion. You realize, and why is it required? Because the distance that exists between a finite entity and an infinite God is infinite. And therefore, as high as the intelligence of the human mind can reach, as high as we can go within ourselves, we are never bridging that gap of the infinite between the finite and the infinite. The only way to bridge that gap is to allow for God to do it. But how do you do it? For that, you just have to make yourself into a complete servant. And that was Avram Avinu. At that time, he said to God, he named me, I'm yours. Because it required such a perfect abandonment of his previous self, a complete letting go of the previous self, God couldn't even give him the tiniest, slightest something of where he's going. Because if he would be told where he's going, then what would happen to Avram's mind? He would still be, he would start calculating in his mind about the place that he's going, how to do it, what, where, and when. So he wouldn't be completely in a state of, God, I'm yours. Lead me, take me by the hand, wherever you're sending me, I'm going. There would be somewhat of a, of a, of a personal calculation. Am I oh, going there? How's the weather there? It's nice. It's not, you know, will I, oh, oh you know, he would say to Sarah, you know, we're going, but at least we know that it's good weather. You know, when I came out to California, my wife said, you know, uh, we, 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 then we were thinking leaving and going out to inspire the world. She said, oh, California, at least it's gorgeous weather. <laughs> so there is some personal something over there. I'm going, I'm going to get nice weather. <laughs> Or like, how's the accommodations gonna be? You're going, they're gonna, they're, they're taking you to speak somewhere. They're putting you up in a nice hotel, you know? Are you getting, is there something to gain? Avram Avinu could not have any bit of information because the commandment of Lech Lecha is what re was required to set the Jewish experience into motion. So to set the Jewish experience, it means you needed human beings who are physical and are human and in this world that are able to, and you realize that what Abraham did was replayed again when the Jewish people stood at Sinai. Because God said, I have a Torah to give you and we needed to say what? Whatever you say, God, we will do. And that's the famous statement, Na And God did not give them any bit of information. You know what? Let me give you a little bit. I'll, I'll share with Moshe before we come to Sinai. I'll share with you a couple of the commandments. So you get a feel, a sense of like what it's all about. They didn't know what's about. They knew what? That God is going to give them a set of commandments, a way to live, which they know nothing about. And they made that commitment. We will do and we will hear. We will first do whatever it is that you want. That's the secret of the Jewish people. And that was the secret of Avram. The complete subservience, the complete surrender, the complete giving himself over. At that moment, Avram took the quantum leap from being a human being 
to being a divinely inspired being. Now he's not living a human life. He's living a godly life, albeit in a human body, in his physical body. Because now whatever he is doing, he's doing on behalf and in, in by instruction of Hashem's commandment. And here is where Avram sets off on his journey. And that's the reason that, that will answer another question. First of all, we answered why it was set in this order. Because this is this is the order of the of the letting go. You let go first of your physical self. Your person can't drop. If a person is not ready to be to to to, to let go in service of God of their physical urges, then you can't then, then you're not you have to let go of it. If God, whatever you want, God, if this is going to make, if this fits with my physical self or not, if I'm going to be tired doing this or not, doesn't make a difference. I'm yours. So first that, then there is more to let go of. And that is things that you've inculcated or things you have developed, even things that you've brought into your life as good things. But again, if it's, 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 it's what Hashem is calling you for and even to rise and get past your intelligence. In other words, when God is speaking to you and telling you to do something, we can't come back and say we have a better idea. I think it will be more beneficial to do it this way or to do it that way. It's complete obedience. It's complete silencing of everything to say the complete he named me, Hashem. I am here. What you want of me, I am ready to do. That has been the secret. And that will also explain why we did not experience Vayeda Elav Hashem. Why is there no Vayeda Elav Hashem? Why is there no God, as we spoke earlier, why didn't God appear to Avram Avinu before? Like we said in the beginning. No, because that's the whole point. The point over here is that until Abraham, till Avram is not going to make himself a vessel to receive the infinite, he's not, the Torah will not say that God appeared to him. Of course God appeared to him. But the appearance that Avram had before he made this journey was a very, very, very minuscule appearance of God. It was God as God is limited and constricted to the human condition. But to experience the infinite infinity of God, the, the boundlessness of God, require, and which is the unique revelation that God reveals to the Jewish people, that revelation, not the constrictions the constricted, limited aspects or projections of the divine, but to experience God himself, that required, which is the whole point over here, required first that Avram should come into the land that he doesn't know where he's going, blindly follow God. And at that moment, yes, he's open for the complete revelation. Now comes the next important thing. When God tells him, where will, I, where will I send you? I will take you to the land that I will show you. What does that mean? We mentioned earlier that Eretz, Eretz means your natural desire. Eretz comes from the word land. It also means desire. Our natural, so go away from your land means go away from your natural desires. When God says, I will take you to the land that I will show you, means I will lift you up so that you can attach yourself to my desire. 
So all of existence and all of creation and all peoples of the world and everybody is living in their own desire. Some of those desires are very materialistic. Some of those desires are more idealistic. And some of those desires are transcendental desires. But there's still the desire of a human to know God. A desire of a human to eat chocolate cake. A desire of a human to make a lot of money. A desire of a human to help humanity. But it's a desire of a human. And God says to Abraham, I will now show you my desire. So now in your heart, you will see, you will feel, not your desire. It's almost like I will take over your heart. And your heart will now be driven, which means your drive, your oomph in your life will be God's desire. You will feel my desire in your bloodstream. But hold it. Is it God canceling you? Is that the purpose? That God should override us? We should become so divine, godly conscious that God solely overpowers us. There's nobody of us left. That's not the purpose. The purpose is a marriage. The purpose is a unification. The purpose is that we should feel God's desire and we should identify so deeply with God's desire to the point that his desire becomes our desire. So it's not no us, it is us. It's us and him totally one. And that's a marriage where I can feel the desire of my spouse to the point that her desire is my desire. And then my desire becomes her desire. It's a complete emergence of desire. But the point of here that the, the Mishnah says in Pirkei of is make his desire your desire. And that's the point of it. God says, I will show you when you see something. It we're able to attach ourselves till it becomes ours. And then what happens further, you see, that land, the, the word desire over here is the land. God said, the land that I will show you, which really means the desire that I will show you. What does it mean, the land of Israel? The desire of Israel, the holy desire. But what, is, what does Hashem say to Avram when as soon as Avram abandons everything, throws himself completely, leaps off to Hashem, and is now completely canceled all of his own ideas, philosophies, agendas, as spiritual as great. And he gives himself over completely to the divine. And he comes into the land of Israel, seeing God's desire. At first he sees it. And the end, you know what God tells him? This land I will give you, which means my desire will, will become your desire. That means your heart will start pumping my blood. My idea, what I wanted in life, to fill the entire world with goodness and kindness, to fill the entire world with my, with, 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 with my light, will become your ambition and your desire. And that's what it means that every Jew has a peace in the land of Israel. That means that every single person has within themselves a peace of God's desire. You see the difference between us and Abraham? Abraham, Avram Avinu, had to make this massive leap and achieve this connection. We are born with it already. We too have to go on the journey, but to us, the journey is not to achieve it. The journey is us, is just to uncover and remove the blockages so that we can come to our true desire, which is the land of Israel. Avram was not living in the land of Israel. He was living outside of the land of Israel, which means outside of, 
of God's desire. He was living in his desire. And he, in his hard work and based on God's commandment, God gave him the ability to, so to speak, leap out of the human condition and to attach himself to the divine communication, to the divine channeling, to the divine desire. But once Abraham and Isaac and Jacob achieved it fully, they inherited it to their children. And that's what we means. We have a piece of the land of Israel inside of We own the land, and that, which means we have that desire in, inborn in our heart. But we need to travel to the land of Israel. Ourselves mean we need to uncover that. We need, and that requires the same journey that Abraham did. But here comes a very important thing. What was the next thing the Torah tells us? Because when it says that Avram embarked on this journey, it says he went. But here's one of the most important things. He didn't just go. It says he took everybody along with him. He took his wife. He took his possessions. And he took his nephew with him. And all the people that he had joined him and all of his wealth. And they all went together. And this is something that gets left out most of the time when we talk about this inspiration. God is not asking us of us individually to take this massive journey. Yes, he is. But he wants of us to take everybody along with us. The Lech Lecha cannot remain just my Lech Lecha. The Lech Lecha means I have to bring along my household. If I have a lech lecha, if I'm driven with a drive to serve Hashem and to, to, to realize the purpose of creation that God has, the burning desire that God has to reveal himself in the world is pumping in my blood. I've lifted myself out of my petty self to become a servant of God. I need to bring along my children along with that. Somehow figure out how to take my children along with that journey, how to take my spouse along with my journey, how to take the clerk and the bank along on that journey, how to take the person who's bagging the bags at Ralph's or Vaughn's along on that journey. I have to take my Uber driver along on that journey. I have to take everybody I come into contact along with the journey. The lech lecha, the drive has to be infectious. It needs to spread everywhere to everybody. And that's what the Torah tells us. It's not about you. It's about you lifting the world with you. Not about your own perfection. It's about God's desire. And if you're an ambassador, if you're a channel, if you're a, a channel of the divine, it's a channel to inspire the world around you. And here is the lesson from what comes out of Lot. And that's probably the main novel point in the class, because this idea we've discussed so many times. But this point is the novel point in today's class. There will always be the person around you in your family, in your neighborhood, in your community that co pours cold water on everything you want it that is not interested, who's not inspired, who challenges, who has other ideas and other agendas and other aspects of life. While you're driven, there's always that element. It's part of your life. It's a person that deeply, it's a cousin, it's a brother, it's a neighbor, it's a very deep family member, but you feel is adding weight, adding weight. And you, at a certain point, you would say to yourself, you know what, it's adding, what, what happens when a boat is being weighed down by a heavy suitcase? So what do you do? and the boat can't travel, you drop the suitcase. It's overweight. So you might think, you know what? You don't want to come, stay home. Not my responsibility, don't come. So you see, now, it doesn't mean 
then in order to achieve, sometimes you can't move. If you can't move, you need to create distance. So you see, Avram does that. First, Lot comes along. In other words, he's he's bringing this, this Lot who's, again, the opposite. He's in, he, the sage, sages say, Rashi brings it, that at a certain point says, Lot says, thank God Avram left me. I don't want him and I don't want his God. Lot is, again, he's not in, he's not with the program. Okay? So Avram tries as much as he can to bring him along. At a certain point, Avram realizes that if this whole caravan is going to move further and further in disseminating godliness, he is not cooperating. So Avram does tell him, leave. So that's also important. It's important to know that there are times that you need to distance yourself from certain entities in your life that are holding you back. But there's a difference in distancing or cutting off ties. See, a lot of times, the, the idealist, a person who discovers the holy calling, a person who has God speak to him, like Avram, or you in your life, if you experience something, something like we become so driven and so excited and so and we become like a massive bulldozer no one will get in our way nothing else is important everything is dropped you're coming along you're not coming along stay home leave me alone i'm off to yeshiva i'm off to learn the whole world goodbye i'm not interested in anything and we see from our realm that it's not the jewish way not the jewish way you must inspire everybody around you and everything that's with you Especially close family members, close community neighbors, friends, neighbors, you know, you must. Now, if there is a challenge and there is a difficulty, okay. So you have to realize that. Avram creates a little distance between him and, and, and Lot, but he never abandons him. But what happens, and this is what really blew my mind, this is only the Rebbe, only the Rebbe can have this insight. So you sit there and you wonder like, okay, you know, this is like the one person in my family who's like totally out of it. Or the one person in my shul or the one person in my in my community who's 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 just just not getting it. Just not see, this can be about about Judaism in general. It can be about when you get excited about Mashiach and sometimes and others are like, okay, yeah, Mashiach is coming. Whatever it is that's God's calling at that time, when you have somebody who's like difficult in that situation so here's an amazing thing the rebbe says that you see about lot as much as we think that lot is not inspired by self-sacrifice quite on the contrary he's the most selfish person he's looking for self-indulgence he looked he, we know he enjoyed in 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 in, in Sodom, the immoral ways he enjoys that there were a lot of nightclubs there was a lot of um there was all kinds of, there were bars there, nightlife. He enjoyed all the chazarai that was going on in, in, in Sodom. That's why he moved there, Rashi said. So you're talking about someone who's into self-indulgence, total opposite of the idealist, holy Abraham, who's on a godly mission in life. Okay. But watch this. We see further in the Torah that Avram's self-sacrifice impacted Lot in a very deep way. And he himself learned from Avram and practiced the self-sacrifice that Avram did. Where do you find it? This is something that always missed me. I never noticed this. Next week in the Torah portion, it's going to describe how the three angels went to turn over Sodom, right? 
they went to because they were they were wicked. God said the five cities gone. I'm done with it. And two and up to three angels. Two of the angels went. Three angels came to Avram, and two of them went on to Sodom. Now we know that in Sodom it was absolutely forbidden to take in guests, and it was at the cost of basically the death penalty was given for someone who would give a lodging to to a passerby. They had a constitution of evil, of wickedness, of cruelty. And anybody that, so therefore, it says that Lot, when he sees the angels, he begs them to come into his house. And he tells them to go into through the back entrance. He tells them to hide, to come in in a way that no one will notice. But hold it, you're risking your life. You're, he literally was risking his life. And why did he do He didn't know their angels. It's because he learned in Avram's house that he has to take care of guests. And he did it to the point of self-sacrifice. So here you are, this one tag-along, the one person who is so not with the idealistic excitement, and you think that there's no influence on that. You think that this is okay. So therefore, like, you know, drop him. And the point over here is no. Because if your, 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 your drive is real and true, and the effort is made not to make the leap on yourself, but to, to take everybody along with you. So your lech lecha will impact every single person in your household. And it will impact. And even that person that you think is not influenced is also influenced, unbeknown to you. And it may take 10 years, 20 years, 30 years until you'll see it emerge and you'll wonder how that happened. How did such a selfish person exhibit such selflessness? That's because Avram's lech lecha permeated even love. And that's the ultimate of the, and that's the whole point over here. The point over here is not to make godly and inspire the godly conditioned people. You'll always have people in a community, in a world that are naturally, naturally inclined to higher living. That's easy. The most important part is to reach those that are deeply, deeply indulgent, deeply materialistic, to speak to them once, to inspire them twice, by hook and by crook, however it takes to get to them, to enliven them. And don't think that the toughest of them are, are, are not impacted. They too are inspired. Now, the wisdom of Avram is required to know when to draw close, when there's a little distance. But the idea that it's your responsibility that your inspiration should not be just your own inspiration, but to inspire everybody and take everybody along in a selfless uh, a journey and a selfless connection to God is something that we have to realize. And to conclude, in the end of the Torah, what's the what's the end of the Torah? Parshas, Parshas, Lech Lechaz, we spoke earlier, the covenant that God makes with Avram. What's the novelty of the covenant that he makes with Avram? Is that after Avram Avinu achieves this great connection to God, to the point where Hashem reveals himself to him, as we spoke earlier, that's more of his connection to the spiritual Avram. But the point over here is that that infinite truth and God's, that Hashem himself should reveal himself, connect to in the physical world itself, not just in the spiritual soul of beings who are in the spiritual in the physical world not only in the consciousness but even in the most dense elements of the world which is physical flesh 
And that's the covenant that God makes. And the physical flesh of the body through a circumcision becomes holy. The physical flesh becomes holy. And Aram achieved that his physical flesh became holy. But we'll but here's a very important thing. When Avram had his operation, it says Avram was in a lot of pain. So much so that next week's Torah portion, God comes to visit him. And Avram is not only in pain, but he actually falls ill, which is a little disturbing. And also the general disturbance from the fact that we know that we do this circumcision for babies. It's almost like the first thing we do to a Jewish child is we hurt the baby. It's very painful. A bris is hurtful. It pains. So it's almost like, ugh, like, like it's so beautiful, everything, but why does it have to be painful? Why does it have to be painful? It's a little similar to the idea of Lot. It's the same concept and the same idea. God is the truth of all of existence, and therefore his truth must reveal himself, itself everywhere and in everything. The, na the nature of a body, as we discussed in other classes, is that if you cut it, it hurts. The nature of the, of the spiritual being, the spiritual inspired being, is that if he knows, he or she knows that they're doing something magnificently holy and magnificently awesome, you can feel pain and the pain doesn't pain you, right? I'll give an example to that. I better come up with an example very quick because I don't know what the example I'm going to say, but let's just come up with an example. When we are recognizing that what is happening is like really crazily awesome, so even if it hurts, we don't even feel the pain. We feel the pleasure of the fact that this is like a crazy thing that just happened. So let me, let me, let me, I'll give you an, oh, I don't know why I thought of this example. Imagine a, a groom putting on the ring on his bride under the hook, and she's massively in love with him. The problem is that he didn't exactly get the right ring size. So he puts it on her, and as he's putting it on, it's, it's a little uncomfortable. So of course there is a certain pain, but she's not feeling pain. She's just so exhilarated that that ring came on her finger, and now she's married. She's really married. So what would be painful is not painful. But what does that mean? There is a certain that if you if you exit, if she exits her higher consciousness and she just allows the nerve system of her body, she feels the pain. But because her body was so saturated with her exhilaration that she's getting married, the fact that this ring is, is scratching or, or, or tight on her finger doesn't bother her. She doesn't even feel the pain. It's, it's, it's pleasurable. Right? So you see something that is painful is pleasurable. So if that's the case, we would expect that Abraham, who was such a holy man, all his life is waiting for this covenant. He's finally experiencing the covenant and he's in pain. And his body hurts. Not only that, he falls ill. But the answer is God's truth, in the Jewish objective is to bring God's truth down to the lowest, lowest points of existence. To those who being attached to God might be a discomfort. Those who are feeling the pain of a mitzvah. And they too connecting to Hashem. As we said earlier, Lot, who's not the, the tzaddik, 
and yet he too is is connected. Gets because he hangs around with Avram, he too gets connected and gets influenced. Our physical bodies, while the body is physical, in its physicality, without the inspiration of the soul, just the physical, physical nature, as the physical is, is, is it's in complete physical state to the point that it hurts. And yet, even at that point, it is one with the infinite. Which, by the way, is very comforting. Because there are some times when doing mitzvahs is not with the inspiration of Pasha Lechlecha. There are some times when writing the check hurts. There are some times when helping and visiting someone is really bothering you because you're going out of your day and you have other things to accomplish. Or, I don't know, whatever. Listening to your parents sometimes can be very painful. And sometimes you feel that if it's painful, means I'm not connecting. If it's hurting me, if I'm bothered by this, means that I'm not that I'm not making a connection. No, but that's the whole point. Even in a place where it hurts you to do the godly thing, you are being completely connected because you're doing God's will. And God's will is his will is one with him. And here you are becoming one, even where it hurts. So this is the ultimate parsha complete unification we're reaching the highest peaks the lech lecha requires reaching the high transcending beyond spiritual excitement reaching a complete nullification of self complete abandonment from the peaks of the peaks but bringing it down 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 into you into your life not only into your life, into your physical body, not just into your physical body, but your physical body when it is at its lowest, not the physical body when it is at its highest, the physical body when it's at its lowest, when it feels pain, and yet there too God becomes one with us. And then it's not enough us. It's taking everybody along in that lech lecha, everybody in your household, everybody in your environment, everybody and reaching the person who's the most uninspired and that person too is influenced by that godly drive through this the jewish people have and continue to fill the entire world with enormous light and enormous and it's not only as we spoke earlier for the jewish people it's through the jewish people for all of humanity through the keeping of the seven noite laws and connecting and realizing that momentarily the greatest we will for all of eternity be completely unified with the, with God. And as a result of that, let's just stay the course. Everybody, wake up in the morning. The first thought in the morning is a complete moda'ani. I don't even know where God, Hashem, I am yours. Send me what, I don't know what. I'm not going to put in my ideas based on what I, I know of yesterday. I'm just open to you, God. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm allowing myself to be your servant. How do I know what? how to serve for that i have to study torah i will open up the book but i'm ready to follow wherever you send me that's the attitude but also remember it's not just about ourselves it's about taking the whole world and everybody around us along with it may we merit already the completion of avram avinu's task to be revealed to us with the coming of mashiach now